Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? 86. Yes. 86, a classic number in the restaurant industry. Jensen coming here. Claudine Papon with us out from Barrington, Rhode Island. She is with the Jacques Papon Foundation. Thank you so much for taking some time. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure to be here. Plus, you know, I didn't have anywhere else to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is the new face-to-face, you know. This is a, this is a reality for us right now. So I uh, want to give people a little bit of background. Tell us a little bit about kind of your journey within food, beverage, hospitality, as an author, TV show host. G- give us a little bit of your background, the origin story. Well, I I actually was born into it. I didn't really have that much choice, which is good and bad. I think people sometimes expect more from me. And I always say, well, you know, if your dad was a brain surgeon, would you like me to perform an operation on you? Like, no, Um, I probably accepted. I accepted my fate later in life. I went to to, um, college for international relations with a focus on European military systems for my undergraduate and graduate school which actually just made me a better problem solver, no matter what I was doing. I worked in the wine industry for Kendall Jackson, which I loved working with them. And, um, and I also worked with LVMH, uh, Moët et Chandon and Don Perignon. I was their brand ambassador in New York for a few years. Loved that. That was a great job too. And then moved to Oregon with my husband, we had our daughter, and I've done tell with my dad. No, a terrifying number. And doing that, I love. I love being live. Also, we do a lot of live. Well, we used to do a lot of live events, and yeah. um, so it's been it's a really wonderful journey to be part of the restaurant industry and to be part of the wine community and to just see how much people give back. That really hospitality does. And when there's a crisis, hospitality says, what can I do? And, and it's an honor to be part of that community. Yeah, especially you talk about hospitality. So many people are in turmoil right now, yet the, right. their very next instinct is, how do I go volunteer? How do I go help? How can I get back into being of service in the most simple, basic function of hospitality, feeding and taking care of your community. So I can appreciate that for sure. So then you start the Jacques Pepin Foundation. Why did that come about? Why was that important for you to go about doing that? And then give us a little bit of what the uh, foundation actually functions as. The truth of the matter is that it came about when I was wandering around Aspen with my husband and you're all in Colorado. We used to do the food and wine classic all the time. And um, in Aspen, there are all these bronzes everywhere. Like everywhere you turn, there's like a bronze of a bear, a bronze of a kid, a bronze of a bug, a bronze of a dog, you know? And and I thought, it's like late at night. And I'm like, I think we need a bronze of my father. 
And my husband <laughs> looks at me and he goes, we're going to make that happen. And that was sort of the genesis of it. But then, of course, as we were thinking about doing something so self-serving as doing a bronze, what ended up coming out of that was how do we build a foundation that actually gives back to the community? And what the Jacques Pépin Foundation does and has done, I mean, we're pivoting like everybody else a little bit now, still remaining true to core as much as we can. But we partner with existing community kitchens around the country and help them to get the resources that they need in order to teach disadvantaged adults to go into food service. So we're, we're so, in a way kind of a middleman, but also we provide teaching materials, equipment, but each community kitchen, in my opinion, knows their environment so much better than I do, right? I mean, I could say, hey, we're the Jacques Pépin Foundation, come see us, you don't need them. But that's kind of BS. So yeah. one school needed, because most of their students are homeless, one school needed not cutting boards, not knives, not pots and pans. They needed a washer and dryer so their students could come to school clean. And that's what we got them. We got them a washer and dryer. So it really depends on, on the community kitchen and what they need and, and the things that they can provide. We've, this year alone, we've still done over $45,000 in grants, even though our wow. uh, uh yeah well all of our events have been canceled we were hoping to be able to do more but um but we'll continue on and on the foundation's web page there are these beautiful posters that my dad created it's we used his artwork that all of that is just going back into the community as quickly as we can and um so if anybody wants to get a poster go to jpf.org then yes, we have it linked yeah. up. Foundation. So we got it up there. So awesome. wait a minute. So your dad, Jacques, is not only an iconic chef, but he can also make posters. I'm, I feel so inadequate right now. He's an extraordinary <laughs> artist, actually. His awesome. work has sold for absurd amounts of money, like original <laughs> pieces. Um, he's done some beautiful, beautiful art. Most of the art that he does now, we do sell some. Uh, we have we have a site that sells some, but most of the art is used for fundraising. So he'll do a beautiful menu and he does the outline and he writes the whole menu. And then at the end of the evening, it's used for fundraising for you know, whatever organization we happen to be working with at the time. So that that's something that makes us very proud to be able to give back to, to all of the organizations, not only cooking and bringing people together at the table, but to have something that they can take home, you know. I really like that. Having done a lot of work, my wife, especially with event production for nonprofits is it's a challenge getting the mechanism, the machinery of fundraising into place. And so the fact that you have the opportunity to have that come from within house, I think is very fascinating. So yeah. I like that a lot. That's a little note. Let's make sure Sophie, grab that note and let's get that out to uh, all of our nonprofit friends. Very, very smart. Find really incredibly talented people and artists. It's easy well, enough, right? Everyone yeah, should be able I mean, to do that. I know that every community has beautiful art. I mean, that, that, and that's actually a resource that I don't think we, we consider art to be a luxury. And it is. But it's also part of what makes us human, I think, too. Um, so... I think every community can use artwork in order to create a menu, in order to do something. And then you promote not only the artist, but the artist helps to promote 
you know, whatever organizations are important to them. So I think that that, that for me is like always a win-win. We always want to try to find the best way to, to help all ships rise, you know. I love it. I co-sign with all of that. Talk about some of the practicality of the work that you're doing. How are you finding these different kitchens? How are you supporting them? In what way does funds fuddle? Give us a little bit of kind of the inner workings of the system itself. My husband, who is the executive director, would be better on the inner workings aspect. But a lot of um, kitchens just contact us directly. I mean, we're an organization of like four people. So if you write to info at jpf.foundation, you're either writing to me or to Raleigh or to Jennifer, like that's it, that's who, that's who reads it. So we, we field everything ourselves and, and while we have broken a million dollars and we were hoping to do 1.5, we haven't expanded the organization because we wanna keep it so that we have the control so that we can touch every aspect of it. So, and, and, you know, and, and finding the balance, of course, to, to do that. So it's been, um, it's, it's definitely an interesting ride. I work with my husband. That's cool. (laughs) Right. Half the foundation lives in, in this very house, Mm -hmm. which, uh, which means that there could be strength and it also could create friction. I completely understand. Yeah. And your dad too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The whole family, family business is so ingrained in hospitality. You mentioned you were born into it. My family, I'm the fifth consecutive generation of chef, restaurateur. We've been at it for 120 years. We're gluttons for punishment. So I feel you completely on that front. And so let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, let's just call it celebrity. The celebrity that you and your father have and the way that you've actually been able to, I'm thinking about the bronze of your father, and it could be self-serving, to your point. Yet you've well, we been did really it. We did do it. We ended you up did do it, of course. So what we did was we we have a subsidiary called the Jacques Pepin Legacy Fund. So okay. with the people that wanted to support that particular project, we actually made those two things extremely clear. Because uh, the idea that he is in bronze and that people can go and, you know, and say what they need to say, yell at him or, you know, pour champagne on his head, which is what I've done, um, and do anything that they want. At that point, I think that that was also really, really important. And most people get memorialized that way when they're dead. And that oh, for me is yeah. really morbid. And so I wanted to do it when he was very much alive so that he could be part of the whole process. Um, and it was just something that was really gratifying to, to be able to do. And most of the funding from that honestly came from friends and family. So that's great. Who, who so, wanted to pour champagne on his head? It makes total sense to me. Yeah. And then we were yeah. able to end, but on the flip side at the unveiling for that, we were able to do an event that raised $50,000 for yes. an organization, you know? Yes. So we were able to, 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 again, take that celebrity if you will and just give back and and do something really wonderful with it so that that why was that important to take that status that you have that position and be able to use that thoughtfully and be able to continue and sustain that effort when it's such a challenge it'd be so much easier just to do your thing versus having this thing become now your whole family's you know job it's it's your mission right now 
Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, I, I'm a bit cheeky about it, but honestly, it, it is incredibly gratifying to know that the work that we do really impacts people on, on a, on a personal level, on an individual level. And, and that we're able to, to give back to the community. We were supposed to have an event um, with a foundation in Phoenix. She's, Oh, I think we were leaving tomorrow. I'm sorry. Wow. Over there, over there is the calendar. Um, so, but we had to cancel that event, but people that had purchased tickets understood what their ticket purchase was going to. Many, many of them allowed us to keep the funds and we were able to turn around and send $10,000 to two organizations in Phoenix. You know, so, so being able to, to, to do that is, is really, really kind of wonderful right now. And when we're talking about right now, this moment, you mentioned the struggles because you can't do what you're good at, which is a lot of the event. You know, you guys are a big draw for sure. And it creates a little bit of excitement. And I'm sure Phoenix would was and would have been buzzing from that. How are you reimagining the way that you all can have the same level of impact in a different model since that model does not is not available to you right now? Well, I think it's it's kind of an interesting question. I, I think we're all in the process of continuing to reimagine and reimagine whether it's Zoom or whatever platform you want to use. My father is very bad at staying still. So he's <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Uh, he started these really short videos in his home with the help of a dear friend of his, Tom. And then through the foundation, we have an editor and uh, well, we have post-production, but the videos are like between one minute to teach you how to make a rabbit with a grape, which all kids love, or crepes or uh, fridge soup, or, you know, like 110 different recipes all on his Facebook page. And that's what he's doing. And it doesn't bring any capital in. I mean, you know, they're not, they're not funded in any kind of way. So, and we can't really monetize them, but it's our way of being able to give back. So all of the ingredients are simple ingredients that you can find either in your grocery store or in your pantry, we hope, and being able to put those videos up and give people a sense of easy purpose. Like he made, he made a pizza out of a tortilla, right? I mean, you could also call it a quesadilla, except for it had like a lot of other things on it. So for him, it's a pizza using a tortilla. Well, like, you know, 3 million people thought it was the best idea ever. And now everybody's making their pizza on a tortilla. Because why? Because the tortilla is inexpensive. This is inexpensive. And it's something that anyone can do. And that's so we're trying to figure out a way to make people feel better about being home and comfortable cooking with what they have in their kitchen. I mean, I could also be a little snooty French chef and be like, well, since you're never going to have this little tiny thing and this and all of this equipment what use is that right now i mean it's beautiful to watch don't get me wrong but it's not useful to the person that is on the other side of the screen that just wants to make something a little different for their family for dinner so that's what we're trying to do now yes let's unpack that a little bit because what you just said really struck me i think it's very important the the notion of comfort food i think it encapsulates it a little bit where we are not allowed to be a chefy right now. We need to simplify yeah. our approach, our artistry, our craft, and give it to people in a way that just feels wholesome and real and, and authentic easy. in this moment. And, and easy. easy, yeah. And, and, and seamlessly, and like, 
fit into homeschool and anything else you're doing and stress and all of those type of things. So how and why was that important for, for you all to do, for Jacques to do? And then is it a challenge stepping off of that, uh, that hot cuisine French chef mentality? First, I don't think it's a challenge at all. We do cook special meals and any chef cooks a special meal, but we're cooks. My father doesn't have a restaurant. Therefore, if somebody calls him a chef, he goes, no, call me Jacques. I'm a cook. Mm. So even though I honestly think he's a chef, but you know, we're, we're cooks, we're home cooks, and that's what we deal with. So when we can do a demonstration, and we've done this for years, where the chicken is still actually in the package that you start off with, then that's what we do. We're not ramekin cooks. It's not like this, or I have a diced up bunch of this, a diced up bunch of that and dump everything. No, this is how you cut an onion. This is how you cut celery. Did you know that you can actually break the bottom of the celery and pull up and peel the fibers off of it and it tastes better, you know? And showing people something as simple as that, that is meaningful because that's something that they can do at home. And that's a, a thing that they have at home. So we, we have strived to always do that and to never appear to, to be cooking something that you can't cook. Now, that being said, at Aspen Food and Wine, then you also have Jose Andres, although he cooks sure. for everybody, but, you know, and he's a dear friend of the family. But he's going to cook something or he's going to put like caviar and something else and do something that you would never be able to do at home. However, right. of course he's going to do that. He's got seven, 10, 22 restaurants. So he's promoting the restaurant and that's what he's doing. But we are promoting cooking at home and that's who we are and that's what we do. And by the way, when we go to Jose's house, everybody goes into the kitchen and everybody cooks together. So, you know, that's, that's always fun too. <laughs> oh, that would be Although some kitchen to be in. Skype, my dad did Skype. Um, actually, no, no, I think it was a FaceTime call. So Jose calls the house and he's like, look, I know, but my daughter won't listen to me on how to make an omelet. She said the only person that can make an omelet is you. Will you please teach her how to make an omelet on Skype? So my father's like, fine. So he grabs his little nonstick pan and Jose's daughter was on the other end and they made omelets together. So there you go. That is amazing because so many of us have made omelets with your father over the years, for yeah. sure. And I think, I think it's important. When I think about the chef versus cook, I think that's very fascinating because I think once you've been a chef at that level, you're always a chef. You like you never stop being that. You it is crystallized for all eternity. And for someone like your father, I think of the bronzing too. It's it's kind of like the version of being knighted. We need that in this country. I almost feel like it's yeah. a little bit frivolous and ridiculous. Yet at the same time, it's like no, you have put so much into our community for so long that that is just a simple title of adoration that I think is is interesting and valuable. So. Thinking about now, coming out of now, some hopes that you all might have, some conversations that you're having, the way that you see cooking at home, the way that you see hospitality, the conversations you're having with some of your chef, restaurant owner friends like Jose Andres. And what are the what are the challenges and what are the hopeful things? Give us a little bit of kind of the inner thoughts there. Well, I think I think I mean we're always hopeful. I think that this situation is going to be with us for many, many, many months now. 
Um, I also think that people are starting to appreciate cooking at home and what that means to feed their family. And I think that that's a good thing because in the United States, certainly there's been a different conception about food, like organic food is the only thing that you can buy. No, I would personally trade local before organic. I would rather go to, you know, that guy who can't afford to be organic, quite frankly, because it's too expensive. And by the tomatoes that are grown, you know, 30 feet from my house, although that's our backyard, but, um, you know, that are grown in my town rather than go to Whole Foods and buy organic tomatoes that are flown in from California. So I think that people are, are connecting with their food on a local level unlike anything we've ever seen, or at least not, certainly not in a very long time in, in this country, and understanding that it's not only for people of means. And for me, that is also really, really important. If you can connect local people to local food, if you can connect your people to local food and not have it be too expensive for them to purchase, I think that we're doing a huge service to our country now. And, and that, that is very, very important, whether it's your fisheries. And I mean, in Colorado, you guys have like the best trout. You guys have like amazing mushrooms. You guys have like crazy mushrooms Be, and yeah. people who grow them in Colorado. Like there's so many beautiful things. And cantaloupes, my gosh, you know, there's, there's like amazing things that are in Colorado that are only in Colorado, quite frankly, you know, or in the middle of the country. So there are so many wonderful things that you can learn about your community. And I think people are doing that out of necessity and also because they're going, wow, you know, the big retail stores, I'm a little bit concerned about where my food is from and how people right. that are processing that food are being treated. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I think that we are respecting the people that are treating our food much more yes. and valuing the fact that, you know, if you work in a, and, and who ever talked about a meatpacking plant? Nobody, nobody, nobody at a round table, not even mad. And uh, the, the group in Copenhagen, really nobody yeah. ever was delving into meat processing as something so commonly understood. And now we understand it better. So we're yeah, going to be true. more respectful about the food that we're eating and hopefully waste less, you know? So anyway, that's the, my hope is that we, we stay connected to our local food source. We learn how to waste less and that we appreciate more what we have around us. Um, and I think through education and through kindness and through you know, people like you saying, hey, what are we cooking? I mean, I would love to see somebody take the lead on having like a little national platform that says, okay, we're in February. Let me tell you what's good in our country from where. So when you go to the grocery store, these are the potatoes you want to buy. You want to buy rutabaga right now. You have to buy this. These things were frozen. So buy this frozen and this frozen. No, like that would be a really good thing for people to know. So next week or your next show, tell us what's in season in Colorado. Should be your first. I time. could not agree more. We've had, you know, Farmer Lee Jones on the show. Oh, he's Eric awesome. Skokin from Black Cat Farms. And these guys, like they make spinach sexy. When I hear them talk about in-season spinach, I just, I want it so badly. And when they also talk about 
why are you getting tomatoes in February? What is wrong with you? I completely agree. And I've been guilty of that in restaurants, just getting whatever I want because I had access to everything. Right, but I mean, you can buy canned tomatoes in February that are really quite quite good, you know, or boxed if you don't like the can, but, or frozen tomatoes or, you know, there's a lot of other, other issues. Going back to Farmer Lee Jones though, he's awesome. He's, you know, he's delivering to residences now. Yes, so, giant box showed up here. It was amazing. His greens are some of the best I've ever had. And I remember yeah. his microgreens and his edible flowers like changed my perception of being a chef, you know, a decade ago. So very appreciative. When you're talking about access to these uh, food ingredients and th rethinking our system and stuff a little bit. Oh, lost her. She ran away. I think she's going to the no, garden to get us I'm some not. some stuff. Do you see the yes. flowers? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so good. I mean, the salads we are having from what he has coming out of uh, the chef's garden in Ohio are unbelievable. Yeah. So do you see the opportunity for the, the Jacques Pepin Foundation, for you, for, for your father, to kind of be a voice to that? Is that part of the ethos you're hoping to instill in the future a little bit? Well, I'm, we've always spoke to eating seasonal and eating local. I just think that nobody really paid attention. They just thought, and a lot of people that were paying attention maybe thought, I don't, I can't, I don't have the means to do that. It's too expensive. I don't cook enough. Well, now you're home and you're cooking and you, you can buy, you can choose to buy a little bit more locally rather than, you know, buying everything, everything from a big box where you don't know where your food is coming from, you know. But we've always I absolutely love stuff in <laughs> I think it's I think it's so important. I think the conversation around food has developed to a point, but we also, you know, you mentioned Jose Andres, myself included, we did try to put foie gras and caviar on everything. You know, we yeah. did try and show our clout by our ability to take these decadent ingredients and manipulate them into something amazing, which I think does have a place. It created like this aspirational moment for us to, to run towards. But I think now we're finding the simplicity and the, the humble ability to just evoke emotion through food, through hospitality, I think is what's showing a little bit more than ever. So we're going to wrap up here. Any last thoughts? This was an amazing conversation. and I'm, I'm really grateful to get inspired by you. Well, I don't know. Um, my husband's here, so I don't know if you have any questions for him about the JPF, because he just come on. Let's get the whole family in here. Yeah, we got him. Hey, how are you? Doing really well. Good to see you. Thank you for the work that you've done and will continue to do for sure. Uh, I'm very interested. We talked about a little bit about the inner workings and stuff, but for you being on the executive director side of the foundation, uh, talk to us a little bit about how people can support the efforts that you're putting in. Oh, sure. So uh, this has been an interesting year for us, obviously. I'm sure Claudine told you we had to cancel all of our major fundraising events. So we've had to pivot pretty significantly to try to come up with alternate sources of revenue. We're currently running a, a 2020 aid campaign, which uh, people can get involved with by going onto our website and they'll see a link there that'll take us to uh, an e-commerce site uh, hosted by Shopify where they can get a poster of Jacques' work that all the proceeds go to our current funding for 2020. And the website is? 
uh, the website is jp.foundation. And once Very you good. there, then you can follow it. Uh, you'll, you'll see the link to go to, sh to uh, Shopify. But uh, we've made a strong effort to try to continue with our commitments in 2020, despite the fact that we've lost most of our revenue. So we're continuing with our grant program. We're continuing to support the organizations around the country with uh, culinary support and cookbooks and video training and all, all the things that we were doing before. So uh, it's been a pretty heavy lift for us and a, and a strong pivot, but we're kind of, we're hoping to continue to, to support these organizations. They need our, our help more than ever this year. Everybody's struggling with how to keep their students engaged and pivoting to hunger relief. It's, uh, it's really a dire crisis for everybody in food service and, and everybody in hunger relief. So uh, we're hoping that we can uh, generate some buzz and, and, and keep the dollars flowing to the people that need it the most. That's good. The thoughtfulness, the creativity, and the leadership that you all have shown, are showing, and I'm sure we'll continue to show is much, much needed. So I'm grateful that we got to have this conversation and just share that a little bit. So thank you to both of you, to Jacques, to your whole family. Uh, it's much needed right now. Appreciate you all. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, Video is a little wonky and stuff. I think we got the messages across. It is so important right now to do a couple things to unpack what was said there to support those most vulnerable. They mentioned how they're not coming in and saying, here's our program. They're saying, what do you need? How can we utilize this amazing mechanism that they have in their foundation, utilizing their celebrity and their thoughtfulness and their creativity and leadership to create opportunity to create fundraising to create initiatives, I think is gonna be important. And then I really like that we got to talk about the food system a little bit. So did not realize that that was so important to them, makes sense now. They've always kind of, to Claudine's point, mentioned it and talked about it. And maybe we just were not listening, myself included. So I'm listening and we need to support farmers. And I love it. The serendipity, the small, and connectivity of our world when it comes to good people connecting good people. I love that we got to mention Farmer Lee Jones again. And there you go. She runs off and she's got flowers from Chef's Garden out in Ohio. It's great. It's perfect. So, all right, everybody. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.